Usually it's a fun night out with friends. An escape room challenge lets players collaborate to solve a variety of puzzles, usually to escape from somewhere. But one central Illinois hospital developed an escape room to use as a cardiac training tool for staff. They would need to unlock the defibrillator pads and shock the patient to bring them out of ventricular tachycardia and resuscitate them. That's OSF Healthcare clinical educator Ashley Bruins, and I'm Shelley Dankoff, your host of Health Accelerated, brought to you by OSF Healthcare. On today's episode, we'll take a look at how an escape room could be used as a life-saving training tool. Ashley, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Before we get into this very interesting training situation that you developed, let's talk about what it means to be a clinical educator. What is your typical world like and what does that mean being a clinical educator? So there's a lot that can go into being a clinical educator. One of our main tasks is uh, onboarding our new nurses, techs, our new clinical staff, um, providing them with hands-on competencies and facilitating their training for learning the EPIC EMR. We also teach other classes. My coworkers teach a basic dysrhythmia class. We create education that goes on our online learning platform for our mission partners to use. I also coordinate clinicals for the universities and community colleges in the area to bring their students here to have their clinical experience. So it's just giving all of those frontline caregivers all the tools they need to be the best prepared to care for patients, isn't it? Yes. So we follow them throughout their orientation period. We also provide hands-on skills and annual education requirements for all of our clinical staff here. Okay. So you came up with a new way to go through a training process, and this was coordinated through the Jump Simulation and Education Center that's also part of OSF Healthcare. And this effort, the technical name is the Gamification of Simulated Environments. It was part of an advanced cardiac life support training program that you initiated, but you basically made an escape room, didn't you? Yes, I did. So tell me about that. What was that like? Because anybody, okay, for those of you who may not be aware, an escape room, you're given certain tasks to move on to the next phase or the next step. It's all meant to be fun, and you have a certain period of time to get out of the room that you are locked in with your fellow game solvers. So how does that work in the healthcare environment? So in the healthcare environment, it's usually more about achieving a specific goal rather than escaping a room. So for the ACLS escape room, I ultimately decided the goal would be that we would they would need to unlock the defibrillator pads and shock the patient to bring them out of ventricular tachycardia and resuscitate them. So when you set up an escape room concept, Is it timed? Walk me through how this process worked and how many steps were in the way. So it took me about two weeks to kind of facilitate this whole thing because when I first kind of got the assignment, I was so excited to do it. And I worked on it every spare second I had while I was at work. And I had never done one before, so I had no idea what I was doing or how to even start on this. So I kind of looked into some tutorials on making escape rooms in general, and then kind of thought, well, how can I make this more of a simulation versus a game, but still make it fun and engaging for the participants? So did you decide on what the end point was first, and then did the steps to get there, or did you just kind of develop the process as you went along? 
Well, there was some trial and error involved in this. There were definitely some things I thought would work that I found did not that required some tweaking. But uh, generally, I find it easier if you can pick an end goal and a beginning point, and then you can kind of work the middle because every step has to trigger another step. So there has to be a sequence so that they can't solve puzzles out of order or skip steps because I want them to solve all of the puzzles to get all the education from each of those pieces. And you also have to have teamwork, don't you? Yes, it's a great way to teach teamwork and critical thinking and encouraging bonding amongst our mission partners. So walk me through where you started and then each of the steps along the way to ultimately get to unlocking the defibrillators. For like the the actual room itself? Yeah, for the actual room itself, yeah. So they're given a pre-brief. We have named her Anita Shock is the name of our patient. I like that. (laughs) Yes. And they are given a series of puzzles. So we give them a pre-brief, a little bit of a history on our fake patient, and we tell them, you know, you need to unlock the defibrillator pads and then get in there and defibrillate her so you can bring her back. So in this scenario, they just walk into a room and the patient is on the monitor and the patient is in VTAC. And so like the monitor is going off. And so to kind of add a little pressure to the situation and a little more realism, I think, because they have the alarms going off and they're trying to find things. So as the alarm's going off, we play an announcement overhead that includes the patient's room number that follows our protocol for our emergency response calls overhead. So then that room number becomes the code to unlock the first lock. So they unlock that lock and it opens the crash cart. And in the crash cart, there's jigsaw puzzle pieces. So they find those and they assemble them and it says epinephrine. Epinephrine is the first line drug in ACLS. So then they have to find the epinephrine in the cart. And when they open up the epinephrine box, they get a key. This key then opens another box, which gives them a puzzle with, I believe it's the EKG strips. Part of our ACLS is recognizing heart rhythms and being able to respond accordingly. So as they match these up, it gives them another code to open the next box. The next box has a list of different medications used in ACLS and what their indications are. So then they have to use that knowledge to figure out that puzzle, which then gives them a code to another puzzle that they then open, and so on and so forth, until eventually they get the last code to open the defibrillator pads, which once they apply them and then simulate a shock to the patient, their scenario has ended. Now, obviously, when you need to defibrillate a patient, speed is of the essence you want it mm-hmm. to happen. Is there a set time when you're running the simulation? I mean, do they know they have to get this done in X period of time, or can they just kind of keep going trial and error? I mean, we tell them they have like 20 to 25 minutes to solve this. And if they get really stuck, then we will nudge them in the right direction when we're facilitating it. What have you found when you went through it? Now, you've done it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So when you went through it and after you did it the first time, what surprised you about it? The thing that always entertains me is every group always struggles with a different piece of it. And it's very easy for me because I've made it and I've played with it and seen it a thousand times and it makes sense in my brain. But to see where it doesn't translate to other people quite as easily is always amusing to me. 
And then do they sit there and go, oh, I get it now. Do you ever see the frustration come through? Because I have to believe, you know, there's book learning and you go through Mm -hmm. it and you see it and you read it. And I know I should do steps one, two, three, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then translating it into simulation. Do you do you see the frustration sometimes or is it better that hands on way of doing it? I think the hands on way is better. Currently, all of our ACLS is taught through our online learning system, RQI, which is great because our mission partners can work on it at their own time, at their own pace, and it's got a lot of resources within the program. But they get the certification, and then they're not really sure how to apply that knowledge. So we have them come for a bring-back class where we go through some of the scenarios and then we started including this as one of the like the end of the ACLS day, just as a fun activity to finish off the day. Do they know it's going to be happening before they get here, or is it kind of sprung on them that this is the way this is going to go? The ones that have started to come, like they know that there's going to be an escape room. And we've talked, it was like, when we start doing these more and more, like we're going to have to change up solutions and stuff so that people can't cheat. <laughs> yeah, that would be the other thing. People would get talking yeah. and going, well, here's a hint. You're going to find mm-hmm. that, you know, the strips here. So you're right. Now, does that make it fun for you to try to find ways to change it up? Yeah, because, you know, after running it a while, it gets a little humdrum. So I think being able to tweak it and add some things or move some things around will kind of refresh it. And I'm you know, there's always changes in healthcare with evidence-based practice. So as the guidelines change, we probably need to change a few things as we move forward. You said, you know, when you initially were starting this, it just was really exciting when you were given this assignment. What made it so exciting for you? I just thought it was going to be so fun to do because I love doing escape rooms in general and kind of like those mind bender puzzles. So then when my leader came to me and said, do you think this is something maybe you could figure out how to do or figure out how we can use this somehow here? I was like, yes. So you've seen, you know, because we talk all the time at OSF Healthcare, the hands-on, you know, the Jump Simulation Center and doing that training. As a clinical educator, what are the, the biggest benefits that you see when you watch students go through this kind of you know, mission partners go through this kind of uh, training? I think the retention of the material is much better when you actually get a chance to do it. And adult learners tend to learn better in that format versus just reading something or watching a video. When you actually have to do it, you retain more and you're able to recall that a lot quicker. Do you notice a difference in ages? You know, do your younger, because I would think if there were some, you know, more seasoned mission partners, frontline caregivers that come in and may do this, is there one age over the other that does better? Or is everybody kind of pretty much the same? Most of the people we've had go through have been our younger nurses. I have had a couple older ones go through. The benefit for the older ones is that they know the content more because they've lived it and had experiences with it. So solving the actual puzzles is a little bit easier for them. But for the younger ones, they have to try a little harder to solve the puzzles, but they're more fluent in how like an escape room works. So they know to like look for the boxes and like look under covers and look under beds and and search out what they're supposed to be doing. They kind of have had are a little more gung-ho about getting started where the older people will go in and they're like, what, what am I really doing? 
<laughs> but that's good then. So that goes to that teamwork and that collaboration, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. That makes it perfect. Okay, so now tell me, then you did, after you did the one, you know, the for Anita Shock, you've done a subsequent one for interns? I designed one for our summer internship program where we are nurses come, they're nursing students at local universities usually, they come have a paid internship. And then at the end, it has a little escape room scenario where the ultimate goal is to remove the Foley catheter to prevent the patient from getting a CAUTI or catheter-associated UTI. But the other skills within that are things that we either taught them during their orientation period or skills that they should have seen at least on the floor when they're here for their internship so that they can kind of use some of those things they picked up through their internship and be able to apply them. And I understand you're also developing one for some of the nurse leaders and having them go through one of these for a little bit of training. That I bet that was kind of fun to do. That was super fun to do. I got to work with some people from outside of Heart of Mary and throughout the ministry. And so we were able to kind of bounce some ideas off each other. And it was the first time I got to make one with someone else because the other two I had just did on my own. And so it was nice to get some kind of other ideas in. And we were given kind of a very unique topic to do the escape room on. And we were kind of stuck for a little bit. Like, how do we turn this into a puzzle and have them escape and meet the objectives that the CNOs wanted us to meet? Yeah. So you kind of put the chief nursing officers a little bit through the paces to test it out. How did they do? They all passed it. I was, I was, relieved and they all did it within the time limit some were a little bit quicker than others they were very competitive about it (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's not surprising at all is that some of the kind of the fun in it you're learning but there's a little bit of that oh I've got to figure it out I have to get it done quickly but yet I need to talk to you about it is that kind of fun to watch that people always want to be the ones to beat the game right oh yeah they're always and as soon as they like finish the room and they exit they'd be like well how quick did you get through it and well we got through it in this time and so they do appreciate having the bragging rights when they've got the quickest time I think do you see this type of education continuing and expanding down the road is this the wave of the future for training frontline caregivers I think it is because with technology, there's so many more things we're able to do. And there's universities around that are getting more progressive with how they teach. I know University of Nebraska has done um, some escape room simulations. They are also looking into VR and there are VR experiences that they can do teaching on. I know at Jump, they have a VR for intubation where someone actually can practice the hand movements of intubation and they're giving they're given guidelines as they move along and tips to do it correctly and then there's no risk to a patient because it's not a real patient as you talk to nurses i mean and and we talk about this all the time jump simulation is a world-class simulation center and you get that hands-on experience with not real patients. So you get to mm-hmm. practice and learn. And, and if there's failure, you learn from failure. What does it mean to work at a health system that has access to that kind of tools and technology to do some of that stuff and is encouraged to do that stuff? It's so great because everything's just going to get more automated and technology is going to become more prevalent. And so to be involved in, with someone that has access to these things and is excited to push the envelope and move forward is exciting because it's just going to continue to grow. How does it translate to patients? I mean, why 
patients who might be hearing this going, well, why is that going to benefit me? What do you say to them? Well, your, your staff is going to have more practice. They're going to feel more confident about the decisions they're making because when they do something in simulation, if it's wrong, we can stop and talk about it. They don't have to feel guilt or fear that something has happened to a patient. It's a low-pressure way for them to learn these skills and practice them and learn from their mistakes. Is there a simulation that's in your head or an escape room that you're, I have to imagine you're thinking about the next one that you're developing and that you might be going, ooh, I should do one for that. Is there, is there like that grandiose next one that you'd like to try? I haven't yet because we've still been so busy with this symposium one recently, but I have thought of like a couple skills like, oh, I bet we could turn that into a thing. And my coworker has an idea wall with a list of things that she thinks would make good escape room simulations. So, Well, it sounds totally fascinating. And I, it would be fun to go through them and just see, did you, so you didn't even put yourself through it because you obviously designed it. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of wish you could put yourself through it? Uh, yeah, because I like to do them. Um, but I did rope all my friends that work here. I'm like, hey, I need some guinea pigs for this. Can you come up you know, and spend a few minutes, and I'll set it up, and you can run through it and give me some feedback, and I can tweak what I need. And uh, Cindy and Amber, the other educators here, they, I was like, try this puzzle out. and just I'd give it to them with no instructions to see if they could figure out how to even start it without a, a hint or a clue to see how feasible it would be in the actual room itself. So that sounds like a lot of fun. So any and all ideas will be coming to Ashley. She's ready to uh, tackle new ones. Yes. Sky's the limit on it. Well, thank you for taking time to speak with us today about this. It sounds like a great way to learn not only for the caregivers, but ultimately for the patients because of the skill set that the nurses and others come away with. Ashley, thank you for taking time today to speak with us. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Health Accelerated, brought to you by OSF Healthcare. You can listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also find links to any of our episodes on the OSF Newsroom at newsroom.osfhealthcare.org.